If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 59 just for a few moments. We're going to continue our series on the best of Psalms. And we are going to look at Psalm 59 today. And we're going to continue part two. What can I learn from trouble? How many has ever been in trouble? Can I see your hands? You've ever been in trouble? Here, David. Trouble is not optional. Learning from trouble is. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have hardship. You're going to have suffering. And it's really how we deal with it that will determine our destiny and our future. So we're looking at Psalm 59. And, and in this particular psalm, David was in a heap of trouble. If you think you've got it bad, I've always said, Try to find somebody in worse shape than you. And in Psalm 59, Saul was after David. They estimate there was hundreds of warriors that were after David. And he was fighting for his life. Can you imagine having a couple hundred people with swords and spears and missiles and all sorts of things coming after you, and he was, he was literally fighting for his life. And out of this experience, I'm sure David learned some incredible lessons. And so we're going to talk about how we can learn from our trouble today. So let's go to Psalm 59, and we're going to, we're going to just read Psalm 59. And, and, and by the way, in your bulletin, we are reading through the whole book of Psalms this year. So you read along with us two or three chapters a week. We will get through the whole book of Psalms uh, through the end of the year, but we are taking different verses and scriptures from Psalms, and we're learning from this wonderful book. So let's go to Psalm 59. If you're with me, let me hear an amen. amen. Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from my evildoers and save me from bloodthirsty men. See how they lie and wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me for no offense or sin of mine, O Lord. I've done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. Arise to help me. Look on my plight. O Lord Almighty, the Lord God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish the nations. Show no mercy to the wicked traitors. Selah. That word there means rest. That's a mouthful, isn't it? And in these first couple verses, Mo, he's in, a, he's in a, a real predicament. So you just have to kind of rest and just stop and just pause for a second and just think of the, the emotions that were going through his, his mind and his spirit as he was being chased down by several hundred warriors. Let's continue to read. They return at evening, snarling like dogs, and they prowl about the city. See what they spew from their mouths. They spew out swords from their lips, and they say, who can hear us? But you, Lord, you laugh at them. You scoff at all the nations. Oh, my strength, I watch for you. You are my fortress, my loving God. You will go before me, and you will not let them gloat over those who slander me. Do not kill them, O Lord, our shield. Or my people will forget. In your might, make them wander about and bring them down. For the sins of their mouths, 
For the words of their lips, let them be caught in their own pride. For the curses and lies they utter, consume them in wrath, consume them till they are no more. Then it will be known to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. Selah. Boy, this sounds like this guy could have been on Jerry Springer. A lot of, a lot of drama going on, man. A lot of, a lot of stuff happening. And I don't think there's any of you here today that are worried that when you leave the sanctuary that there's going to be a couple hundred men that are going to ambush you. I mean, our trouble here in America is a little bit different than, than, than even other parts of the world. doesn't make it any less. It just makes it a little bit different. But chances are, if I were to ask you today how many of you are in trouble, there'd be a good percentage of you that would say, yeah, I'm in trouble. Um, Trouble is kind of like Sandra's umbrella. I mean, it, 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 there's a lot to unpack underneath that umbrella, but trouble can be sorrow, it can be heartache, it can be opposition, it could be adversity, difficulty, misery, persecution, suffering, trials, tribulations, whatever it is, we all are going to have trouble in this life. And really how you and I respond to trouble will determine our future. Last week we looked at a couple of uh, points, and what I've done here is I've just kind of thrown out some, just some thoughts. When I think of trouble, um, just some, some thoughts, some bullet points that we can look at and how we can learn from our trouble and become better. Um, last week, one of the illustrations, I just want to illustrate this one more time because it's a powerful truth. Look in your notes. It's under point number five, and the trouble must be managed. And here's the thought, church. You're either managing your trouble or someone else is going to manage your trouble. And I really do believe that as believers, that God is in charge of every single detail of our life. There's nothing that takes him by surprise. So if you are here today and you are in trouble, you are heartache, you are full of sorrow, you are having trials, you are having tribulations, you are suffering, God is aware of it and God is managing this trouble with you for your good. You've got to believe that. In your notes, I love this quote, and I read a lot of quotes, but this is probably one of the most powerful quotes I've read in a long time by Alan Redpath. There is nothing... Everyone say nothing. No circumstance, no trouble, no testing that can ever touch me until, first of all, it has gone past God and past Christ right through to me. And if it has come that far, it has come with great purpose. I really do believe that. Now, there was a lot of ladies. There were about 40 or 50 ladies that were gone last week. I'm going to illustrate this one more time because I really do believe it's a powerful truth. So, David, if you'll come up here, and, and, and uh, uh, Tom, if you'll come up here, and Bruce, let me use you just one more time as well, and, and maybe even Jim. Come on up here, guys. Okay. You're in trouble. Yes. All Tom, you know where to go. You were over there last week, and, and, and uh, let me see. Um, you know what? Bruce, I think you can sit down next to Lisa. Thank you for good. Jim, you go over here. Okay, watch this just for a moment. This is trouble. Whatever it is, heartache, suffering, trials, tribulations, I really do believe 
that God has a plan for every hardship that we go through. And according to that quote, and really according to Scripture, and by the way, if you look at Job, you will see that this quote is really true. And this is a biblical concept. I'm not saying that God creates trouble, but I'm saying that God touches trouble. And it goes through God's hands. And then God, you're going to give that to Christ's hands. And once it goes from God's hands through Christ, it comes to you with great purpose. Go ahead, David. Well, that was so compassionate and kind. I love that. Wow. Man, you're really getting into it. I love that. Watch this. It touches the hand of God. It goes through to Christ, and it comes to you with great purpose. Knowing that when, you, when, when trouble finds its way to you, you've got to know that God is in charge. You've got to know that God is aware. You've got to know that you're not alone. You've got to know that God is going to give you the power to get through this. It hasn't taken God by surprise. He has touched it and has gone through Christ, and it arrives at your doorstep. But with that comes the power and the compassion and the power of the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to face this trouble and be victorious through it, through Christ Jesus. And if you don't believe that's the case, ask Job. His name means persecuted. Satan came to God and said, Can I, is there anyone roaming the earth? And, and God said, Job is blameless, God-fearing man. And God touched, it went through Christ, and it made its way through to Job. And Job then had, had the ability to endure and to become victorious. And if you look at the end of Job, he was more prosperous, more successful than ever. Why? Because that persecution, that trouble, that, that, that hardship, that heartache came with great purpose, and Job was a better person because of it. And in your situation today, I want you to understand that God has touched every problem you are faced with, and he's going to give you the ability to be victorious through it in Christ Jesus, can I get an amen? amen? Give these guys a big round of applause. They did really good, especially David. That was powerful. So let's look at God's word for a couple more points here on how to be victorious through our troubles. And here's point number six that I want to talk to you about. Trouble must be focused. Everyone say focused. Now, here's my question to you today is, when you are faced with trouble, hardship, trials, suffering, what is your attention fixed on? And if it's fixed on the trouble, you're looking in the wrong place. When you and I are faced with trouble, with hardship, with sufferings and tribulations, our focus should be Christ and the cross. Look in your notes. Philip Yancey says this. I love it. Any discussion of how pain and suffering fit into God's scheme ultimately lead us back to the cross. I love that. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time 
of trouble. Watch this, church. When you are faced with hardship, your focus should not be on the trouble. Your focus should be on the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to get through any situation you are faced with. Can I get an amen? Amen. It should drive you to the cross. It should cause you to run to God. I love in Psalm 121, maybe we're going to go there in a couple weeks, David said this. He says, I'm going to lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Watch this, church. David learned a powerful secret. His secret was to lift his eyes, to look up, not to focus, not to laser beam in on the issue that you're faced with, but to lift your head up and give you the ability to have a focus and focus on the cross and the cross of Christ. You know the story of David and Goliath. You guys know that story? Yeah, okay, good. Got some Christians here today, good. I believe that David was the giant that defeated Goliath. Goliath wasn't the giant, David was. You want to know why David was the giant? David was a giant because when he saw Goliath, he didn't focus on the size of Goliath. And by the way, Goliath, his name means to, 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 to strip. He would, with his words, watch this, he would strip the soldiers of the Israeli army. He would strip them of their courage. He would strip them of their confidence. He would strip them of their boldness, and he used words. So when David approached Goliath, watch this, the reason David was the giant was because he was able to look beyond Goliath and lift his eyes and focus on God. And when you and I are faced with troubles, when you and I are faced with suffering and hardship, we've got to be very disciplined to make sure that we are lifting our eyes and we're seeing Jesus, we're seeing the cross, we're seeing the power of the Holy Spirit that is bigger than any problem we're faced with today. So this is what I would say to you today, church. Lift your eyes. It's real easy to get down. Trust me, I know. It's real easy to, to get overwhelmed, to get overburdened. I was so encouraged today to see so many people stand up saying, I'm tired. I need some help. What were you doing? You were pausing for a few moments, and you were lifting your eyes to the hills. That's where your hope comes from. So this week, let's be a people that are lifting our eyes, looking up, and running to the cross so he can give us the strength and the courage and the peace that we need to be victorious through Jesus Christ. Can I get a big amen? Amen. Number eight, trials and troubles and sorrows can be purposeful. Did I skip one? Oh, you guys are paying attention. Thank you so much. Let's go back to seven then. Everyone's messed up. Poor Jim had that look on his face like, what in the world's going on here? Guys in the back, thank you guys. Point number seven, I'm sorry. Trouble can be attracted. Now, what do I mean by that? If you are not careful, if you fix your thoughts and your attention, you will attract the very thing that you are focused on. I believe there's people that are sick today 
because they focused so much on their sickness that they have attracted that sickness into their life. Now, Job, we're not going to go there, but in Job chapter 2, verse uh, 3, verse 25, Job said this, What I have feared has come upon me. What I have dreaded has happened. Now watch this. Imagine on my left and your right, imagine this is the spirit of faith. It's invisible, you can't see it, but this is a real force and it's called the spirit of faith. Imagine on the other side, my right and your left, a force that is just as real. It's powerful. It's a spirit of fear. Now, I call it a spirit of fear because that's what the Bible calls it. God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. It's a spirit. Faith is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. Now, if I'm in the middle of those two spirits, I, you, are a magnet. You attract what you focus on. If you're fixated and focused on fear, you're going to attract that into your life, just like a huge magnet. I wish I had a magnet. I tried to find one. I couldn't find a big magnet. But a big magnet, if you turn that magnet, that force automatically is attracted to what you're focusing on. In the same way in the spirit world, in a positive sense, if you are living by faith, and by the way, how many of you are here today and you know that you are called to live by faith? The just shall live by what? Faith. You turn that magnet towards faith, you turn that magnet towards Christ, you turn that magnet towards the cross, and you will attract what you are focused on. I'm asking us today, to make sure that we are fixing our attention on faith and not fear. Because if you're not careful, you will fixate so much on the thing that you fear, you will attract it into your life. With your kids, with your finances, with your health, we got to make sure that we are living by faith. And it's so easy to get pulled into this spirit of fear. So easy. But we need to live by faith today. And I'm just encouraging all of us to turn our magnet, turn our attention, turn our focus on the cross and Christ and that spirit of faith and learn to live by faith. You don't have to see it. You don't have to touch it for it to be real. And it's real. And God wants you to live by faith today and not by fear. In the name of Jesus, we bind that spirit of fear that speaks softly into our hearts and our lives and causes us to fix our attention in that arena. And we need to make sure that we are living not by fear, but by faith. Can I get an amen? Thoughts are like magnets. What we think, we attract. What we think, we, we create. What we feel, we attract. And what we Imagine we believe. Make sure that we are living by faith. Can I get an amen?
Now let's go to point number eight. Here we go, Jim. Point number eight. Trouble can be purposeful. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It's in your notes. Let me read this to you. I love it. Before I read that, Rick Warren says, God has a purpose for every problem. I believe that. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Praise be the God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we have received from God. What a powerful scripture. A few years ago, when Tammy and I were just starting out, um, we're married, and, and she became pregnant, and we were so excited. We were so happy. A few weeks into it, Tammy had, a, Tammy had a miscarriage. And at the time, we were absolutely devastated. We'd never experienced anything like that before. And I remember going to the church where I was the youth pastor. And this is the response that I got from a church secretary after we told her the news because we told everybody we were pregnant and going to have a baby and, and she, she lost the baby. And the church secretary said this, oh, don't worry, you'll get over it. And that kind of that stuck with me. And do you know that for the past 40 years, I and Tammy, we've always had a soft spot in our heart for people that go through miscarriages. Why? Because we received comfort and peace from the God of comfort. And sometimes the purpose of trouble is so that you can receive comfort, not so that you can keep it to yourself, but you can receive comfort from the God of comfort so that you can give that comfort away to other people in need. See, could it be that you have gone through a divorce? Could it be that you have gone through bankruptcy? Could it be that you have encountered a miscarriage? Could it be that you have gone through a difficult time so that one day you can use that as God's purpose to give away the comfort that you have received to other people in need? And I believe it's true. I've seen that with our situation with our oldest son, Austin. I've seen it with that miscarriage. I've seen it a, a hundred times in my life, and so have you. God has allowed you to get through that situation, you've received God's comfort, and this is the joy, the comfort you receive, you then give away to other people. Can I get an amen or oh me or a, a my God or, okay, good, good. I've got a confession, I, I've stolen something. Today. I stole it from the church office. I need your prayers. I need your, I need your help here. I stole this from D. Lindley's day timer. And on this little day timer, I'm not sure if you can see it, but it just has my writing, and it has 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 through 4, the scripture that I just read to you. 
five years ago, when Lonnie Lindley passed away, her husband, I waited a, a few weeks after the funeral and, and just all of the family, and, and I pulled Dee into my office. And Dee is a wonderful, she's on a cruise today, so um, happy for her. I pulled Dee in my office, and I said, Dee, I says, I know you're going through hardship, and right I know your heart is broken. You've lost your husband. You love him. You're going to miss him. It's going to be difficult. But I says, Dee, God is allowing you to go through this because one day you're going to have the courage and the peace and the comfort that you have received from God, and you're going to be able to give it away to other people as well. And she took this little scripture that was given her five years ago, and every morning when she walks into the office, she looks at this verse of scripture. Could it be that God's purpose for you to have gone through the loss of a daughter, the loss of a business, the loss of a marriage, could it be that God would use that situation for his purpose so that you can give the comfort you've received to other people in need. See, when you start looking at things like that a little bit differently, it kind of changes it. It's no longer, oh, poor me. Oh, this isn't fair. Oh, God, I don't like this. To God, thank you that you have touched this hardship that I'm faced with. And it's come through Christ, and it's come to me with great purpose. Help me to be sensitive, to give away the comfort that I receive to somebody else. And maybe you, like Dee Lindley, will wake up every single morning saying, God, I'm going through it, but I'm grateful for the comfort that you give me so I can make sense of this and I can live a life of purpose helping other people in their time of hardship. Can I get an amen? Number uh, Number nine, trouble can be a, a time of connection. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Everyone say that word, carry. When somebody's going through a tough time, when somebody is suffering, when somebody is going through trials and tribulations and sorrows, sometimes they need you to carry their burden. Notice I didn't say solve their problem, carry. Are you all with me this morning? It's not your responsibility to solve other people's problems. And some of you are real good at that. It's just in your DNA. It's just your personality. Somebody comes to you with a problem, and your goal is, I want to fix this real quickly. 
For those of you that are fixers in our church today, God is not calling you to fix other people's burdens. He's calling you to help carry their burdens. There are some times when I'm talking to Tammy and I'll, I'll bring something to her, and, and Tammy's one of those fixers, and she just, she just wants to fix it. And there's several times where I say, honey, I'm talking to you today. I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to hear what's going on. And she gets it. Thank God. We've been married 38 years. It's been wonderful. <laughs> God's goal for you today is not to fix people's problems. It's to carry their burden. It's a time of connection. It's a way for you to connect. It's a way for you to serve. It's, a, it's not a way for you to fix or solve it. They're not asking you to talk about it. They're not asking you to solve it. They're not asking you to, 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 to blame somebody. They're simply asking you to carry. And I know there's been people here in this church so graciously and generously and just beautifully carried my burden. Hopefully I've come alongside of you at your time of weakness and, and sorrow and heartache and I've been able to carry your burden. Church, there's somebody in your sphere of influence that they just need a break. They just need someone that's going to listen. They just need someone who's gonna, that you can just come alongside of them. Not forever, but you can just simply carry their burden. Troubles are a beautiful time of connection. Number 10, if you're still with me, let me hear, let me hear an amen. Number 10, we're going to move quickly through this one. Uh, trouble builds friendships. Two is better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one falls down, one can get them up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Trouble sometimes can be a wonderful way for you to be a friend, to just come along somebody and help them. You know, I was looking at Job this week. I want to get back to, to, to um, carrying each other's burden. Bruce, if you'll come up to the keyboard and just play for a moment. Job had three friends. And at first, those friends were really doing a great job. But things quickly turn south, and they become, they become very, very, very painful in Job's life. Do you know, I think this is interesting, in, in Job chapter 3, when Job lost everything, he was in such turmoil and suffering and grief that those three friends came to him. Look it up. This is in Job 3.25. They came to him. And for seven days, everyone say seven. Seven days, the Bible says they didn't say a word to him for seven days because he was in so much grief. You see, I think sometimes when people are going through trouble, it's real easy for us to have that Google-type mentality. Oh, let me come up with the answer. Just let me, let me Google it, and there it is. Seven days. Can you imagine sitting with your best friend for seven days and night and not saying a word 
because they're in so much grief. See, when people are going through hardship and trouble, they don't need more talking. They need you to be there with them and to carry the burden with them. Seven days, that would be impossible for many of us. It would be impossible for us to go seven hours, seven minutes, seven seconds in the balcony, seven <laughs> days. You know why? Because when people are going through tough times and they need someone to carry their burden, less is more. It's not what you say. It's what you do. It's being there. It's carrying that burden. And if it takes seven seconds, seven minutes, seven hours, seven days, seven months, carry one another's burdens. We're so quick to come up with answers. We're so quick to have the solution, the right scripture. And I'm for the right scripture. But, but I'm also for people that just are going to say, I'm here to carry your burden with you. Our daughter Allison, school teacher at Metro West. And a couple months ago, one of her students was tragically killed. A mom was, was, had her little kid in the car as she was Ubering, Uber Eats, at 1 o'clock in the morning. She was probably doing it because she had to. I mean, what? She had her little 8-year-old little boy in the car with her. She's delivering food at 1 o'clock in the morning. She's tragically killed. Allison, a day after she found out, was going to the hospital. She said, Dad, what do I do? And this is the words that I gave my daughter. I'm giving it to you today. Don't say a thing. Just be there. Do we, we try to conjure up, oh, let me find the best scripture for this situation. I'm not against that. But there are times when people are so brokenhearted they don't need a scripture. They may just need somebody that's going to carry their burden. And my little daughter, Allison, walked in that hospital with courage and boldness, was empowered. Less is more. Just stay there with them. Be like Job's friends. Don't say a word. See, trouble is a beautiful way for you to connect with somebody. And you know what? They will never, ever forget when you come along and carry their burden. They'll remember it forever. Somebody in this church here today, been coming to this church for a long time. Their they're, they're, they're father passed away. Before he passed away, I went down to the hospital and prayed with him. And they believed, and I do too, he was, he was healed. He lived several months after that. And after he finally passed away, I got a note 
and said, Pastor Scott, we enjoy this church. We enjoy your preaching. We love you. But nothing speaks more to our family than when you came down and prayed for my dad in the hospital. We, you, me, we're all called to carry one another's burden. Thus, you fulfill the law of Christ. I want to pray for you today. I had a few more thoughts, but I'm just trying to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I want to pray for you today that, that, that uh, if you're not going through trouble, you're not going through hardship, you're not going through suffering, what a beautiful opportunity for you to take a few minutes out and let somebody know that you're with them, that you care for them, that you want to carry their burden with them. When you do that, you fulfill the law of Christ. What a beautiful example it is for us that trouble connects us in a beautiful way. Would you stand across the auditorium? Let's get ready to dismiss today.